Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Go. On the Bobby Bones Show now. George Burge. So you played in Denver? Played in Denver You got last here the night. next morning? Yes, sir. So, but how? That's a, did you play like noon? We played uh, pretty early last night. I think we were done by like 7.30 and hit the bed. And then I'm, I'm on those morning show hours like you now, I guess, man. We took the first flight out and rolled straight in here. You took the flight out this morning? Yes, sir. Wasn't going to miss this, man. Dang. Coolest guy, part the, about the show, though. So hold on, um, we want to commend you for a second for waking up, <laughs> making the plane on time, and getting here. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say, like, this ride is pretty new for me. Like, people showing up to shows and stuff like that. And um, we had, I get there, and the like every table in the venue is full, and it's just a little acoustic show for the bull, the radio station out there, and. Uh, Probably half of my meet and greet line said they heard me on the Bobby Bone Show. So oh, thank good. you, man. Yeah. Uh, thank you for getting folks out to the shows for me. <laughs> Pretty cool. We're, so what's my cut then? If that's hey, the case, like, right? we'll, we'll talk on the yeah, side, man, but I owe you for sure. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you about George Burge, or I can let you walk through this with me. So you were born and raised? Austin, Texas, yep. And you went to high school? I went to high school, McCallum High School. It's kind of like central Austin. Um, really never lived anywhere besides Austin um, until like I moved to Nashville. So you're a good golfer. You played golf in college? You I did. tried? Or what, I, what was that? I did. So um, I took to golf pretty late. I was always a baseball player. And then my sophomore year of high school, a couple buddies took me out to play during the summer. And um, it was just like something that I was pretty natural at. And uh, I got obsessed with it. And my thing is like... If once I decide that I love something, I kind of obsess over it, and golf was that thing for me. And so uh, I played 36 holes like every day uh, wow. after school um, till the sun went down, and then every day during the summer. And uh, I became obsessed with it. Started on the JV my senior, my junior year, then got to varsity my senior year, and then by the end of my senior year, I was uh, number one player on the team. And I always knew I wanted to go to UT, but that's like a super competitive school for golf. So. Um, I got into UT and they had a thing called like the walk-on program where they host a tournament for, um, all of the players that think they can play collegiately. And, uh, if anybody stands out, you can get a spot on the team. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but there's a chance. And so I went and played in the walk-on tournament and, um, I won that, which I thought was going to get me a spot on the team. Wow. And they go, uh, congratulations. That gives you a chance to play in front of coach for a chance on the team. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I get to do that, and, like, when I tell you, like, my hands were shaking when I was putting the tee in the ground to go play in front of coach, because, I mean, that was my dream. I was, like, at that time, I thought I was going to be a PGA Tour golfer, which I quickly realized was not the case. Um, but I got to play 18 holes in front of Coach Fields, and he offered me a spot on the team afterwards. So Two uh, words. On. Disney movie. <laughs> right there. I think you heard it right there. Hey, you can turn Eddie on, too. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie can hop in on this. So you're, you're grinding it out. You're playing golf. You go to UT. Do you end up finishing school? I did. I finished school. Um, I was writing songs, going to school, playing golf, and um, I had also joined a fraternity. So it was a lot. And um, I quickly realized that um, even though I had ambitions of being a professional golfer, once I saw how good the guys that were starting on the team were, 
um, that that was going to be more of a hobby for me. So I made really good friends with a lot of those guys and, and still keep in touch today and um, ended up bringing them out to like country shows and, and um, getting them to, to cut loose a little bit too. So um, that was kind of like my overlap in the country music and golf world. Um, Were you but, playing music yeah. in college? Uh, I was writing songs. So I had, I started my first band in ninth grade in Austin um, by 10th grade, we were playing downtown on 6th Street, like X's on our hands. We All our little high school friends would come out to the shows. It was pretty cool. Um, and then in college, uh, we kind of all went our separate ways, so we didn't have a band anymore. But I would still write songs and send them to my friends, and we would kind of you know, pass the guitar around in the dorm room. Um, but the idea of having a band had kind of gone by the wayside, and I really didn't start playing live music again until a year or two after college. So you're playing live music, and when we first met you, you were with another dude and you guys were a duo. So was that initially a band band, and it just was you two, or were you guys just two guys that thought, we'll just try to do it together? What happened there? So um, Cody Cooper, one of my best friends in the world, um, we met in middle school, and um, he was carrying around a guitar. That was kind of his thing. And uh, I always loved singing country music, um, but I didn't know how to play any instruments, and so I kind of, like, followed him around and made friends with him, and uh, he ended up teaching me how to play guitar, and uh, we started a band in high school um, that was, uh, it wasn't a duo, it was just a band. Um, so it was a full band at the time? Yeah, it was a full yeah. band. And, and the cool part about Austin um, that I kind of took for granted um, when I was there, but then when I got to see the rest of the world, I realized that that was pretty special, was... Um, Every, all the bands in Austin, all of us high school bands, um, they weren't cover bands. Like, you write your own songs. And they were terrible. Um, but that was kind of unique. Like, everybody was writing their own songs. Um, and that was kind of, like, how we fell in love with the, the songwriting process and, like, creating and um, connecting with people. And um, I I realized when I left Austin that that's not the case for most cities, you know. And cover bands are awesome, too. But it was pretty special to kind of, like, dig into that and figure out who we are and what we wanted to say and um, so that was kind of when I first fell in love with, like, creating and making music. So when you decided to go solo, did you decide to go and do it solo, or did you decide, I'm just going to try to be a songwriter, and we'll just write songs for people? Yeah, so um, we had formed a duo, Waterloo Revival, um, in Austin that had started to get some pretty good success, and we had gotten some record label attention, and... Uh, we ended up uh, signing a record deal, moving to Nashville, and, and we chased the dream for a long time. I mean, probably six years. Um, we gave it everything we had, and um, we had some moderate success, you know, some top 40s, and our, our streams were, were really strong, um, and, you know, we were drawing some crowds, but we just couldn't quite, like, break through um, to the level where it's, like, where it's really all clicking. And um, so after grinding it out, I had gotten married. Uh, I had two little kids, and um, I just wasn't seeing it happening. And, um, so we sat down and we had a talk and, um, and I said that I was going to just try to write songs for a living because, um, you know, we'd given it everything we had and through nobody's fault, it just wasn't happening. You and, have two uh, kids. He looks 12. <laughs> he looks 12. I mean, George looks so young to have two kids. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, 
food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month, and when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. So so you're just writing songs, and you know eventually— Whenever you were with Clay Walker, as the, the legend goes, and did you record a song or just write a song? And he said, put it on TikTok. What happened there? So um, when I first started deciding that I was just going to be a songwriter, Clay was one of the first guys to take me under his wing um, and let me kind of try to write for his record. And um, we wrote our first song uh, over Zoom. It was called Need a Bar Sometimes. It ended up being a, a single for him and got him a new record deal and was my first big cut. And so we got to be pretty good friends. Um, then he invited me down to, um, Galveston, Texas, uh, his house, uh, down in Texas. And we were writing for the rest of the record. And I had kind of told him the same thing. I was like, man, I'm not sure that I'm going to do the artist thing anymore. Not cause I don't want to, just cause I can't quite figure out how to make it work. And his advice was to put my songs on TikTok, which I really rolled my eyes at at first. I mean, I, I had never done anything. I really thought that app was like for twerking and pranks. I didn't know. And that, also, that like, yeah. Clay's older than 55. You yeah, wouldn't expect Clay would be. Not but he is. He's very that. dialed into TikTok. He is. He's great at it. And um, so literally that night, uh, I had seen this uh, Beer Beer Truck Truck video where this girl is kind of poking fun at country music saying that that's all it is. And so I literally, I propped my camera up, just me and a guitar, and um, and I wrote a verse and a chorus using her lyrics and um, you know, the world works in crazy ways and it completely changed my life when it blew up. I mean, that's an interesting journey. We're, we're talking about journeys and, you know, looking back at your career journey, but I think one of the, the, the roads that you didn't really plan to go down was starting over being a writer and then TikTok and a funny, it's a funny song. It's a funny idea that you took it and you took that concept where she was like, all oh, I country music, beer, beer, truck, truck. But you turn that into something that wasn't funny at all, like a really good heartfelt country song. It was really cool. It was scary for me just because, you know, like I'd worked my whole life to become a songwriter and an artist. And it's something I take really seriously and something that I really love. And all of a sudden it's like, bang, I'm the beer, beer, truck, truck guy. This thing's blown up. Everybody knows me for beer, beer, truck, truck, because I took this song and and turned it around. And, and my first instinct is like is to run the other direction. Like, I, I hope you all hear my my other music and see what I'm. I'm working on and coming to life. Uh, but then I kind of realized that people were falling in love with it because it was defending country music and because I had used my art and my songwriting to kind of defend country music. Um, and then as I got to know this girl, she actually was a country music fan and had some nostalgia about it. And um, she actually leaned into it with me. So it ended up being a really cool story um, and putting me on the path to getting to do what I, I do today. So um, I'm very, very thankful for it. And never in a million years could have seen it like rolling out like that but you know what it's a uh, uh, my my theory has always been like you just have to be ready when the door opens up for you and that ended up being what it was for me i guess what's what's funny about it is had i not seen the clip but i'm also eight steps away from it from where you are and what you're doing your version of it it sounds like a love like serious real catchy song you know because you turn it into it's not always beer beer right. truck I know you had that thought and it was inspired by her doing that. And so you associate that. But I think right. if people hadn't seen the video, Eddie, don't you think it's just a really good song? Oh, that people yeah. don't think is a novel 
song? I wouldn't have thought it would come from a TikTok video. I mean, I thought it was something that just you would hear on the radio, normal right. country That's song. That's about as big a compliment as I could but get, you so could, thank but, y'all. And it would be hard for you to understand that because, you, again, you were in the whole process, right. and you're like, man, I don't want to be known for just the dopey stuff. But it wasn't dopey to people who didn't know the dopiness that it came from. And I, I think that, like, as artists and writers, we're always, like, so self-conscious and want to be, you know, um, looked at in in the light of, of what we're trying to do. Um, but it, it really has um, been pretty special to me. And, and I go out to shows now, and people are singing it back, and it's given me the opportunity to share more music with more people. So, like, that's really all I could ask for. And, and the fact that y'all are saying that, that you hear it as a, as a, as a normal song now— um, that now, means the world to me. That now, it's always a normal yeah. song. And then it was like, oh, this is where it was rooted. I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's a, I would just say, don't be like embarrassed that came, that people are like, oh, he's a joke writer. Yeah. That song, because that's not, that's not what that is unless you know exactly what that is. Yep. Well, so, and I, I take saw, it from us, two experts. We're two, two joke <laughs> we, writers. We know everything. Yeah, we I, do. We know joke songs. <laughs> I saw a, um, an interview with Dean Dillon, who's a, a huge songwriter, obviously wrote a bunch of the George Strait stuff. And he was talking about the um, Oceanfront Property song, which I grew up thinking was like one of my favorite George Strait songs of all time, incredibly well written. And he said, Dean Dillon said that he's still embarrassed to play it today because he felt like it was a joke song. And that made me think, okay, like if I think that song's a hit song and an incredibly well written song, and he thinks it's a joke song, maybe I need to not take myself so seriously and lean into that too. Another incredibly well written song that sometimes gets classified as a joke song. Fanny Pack by the Raging Idiots. Oh, yeah. You know, we, sometimes we're like, man, people are going to laugh at this, but I, it was a serious deal that day. And I didn't, my pockets weren't big enough. Fanny Packs are a real thing. Yes. You know? Now and we're like, do we funny. even play this because we want it to be serious? My, my wife's got one. She's leaning into it. <laughs> yes, they're they're exactly. all the rage now. Exactly. exactly. Hey, so the new single, I got my mind on you. Feel good about it? I'm feeling really good. Um, first of all, thank you so much for getting it out there. Um, the amount of people that have reached out to me hearing it on the show um, is truly blowing my mind. Um, but it's, it's connecting, you know, we're going out to shows. Um, I'm seeing people singing it back for the first time, which is really cool. Um, it's cool to see people, um, you know how you can use songs on social media or sounds to kind of, um, to put over videos. Um, I'm seeing more and more people using the sound and tagging it over videos and making it their own. And when you write a song, like that's the, the biggest thing that you can ask for is it to like land and connect with people and then put it in their own light. Um, so we're out touring. Um, we've had some really big artists give us some opportunities to come out and open for them. Um, I'm out with Gary Allen this weekend and then we're, um, going out with Jake Owen and then we're going out with Brantley Gilbert. So, um, had some really big folks giving me chances and believing in this song and, uh, in us. And, you know, it doesn't happen without the opportunity to get out in front of these crowds. And so we're going out and, and, uh, really trying to dial in this live show and bring the energy and, um, it's feeling good. I mean, you know, music is, is a long shot always, but, uh, for the first time it feels like I got a real chance, man. So it's, it's feeling good. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> what a freaking journey, you know? It's awesome to see it. Well, George Burge, you're our hero in many ways. I don't know how you look 12. I don't know. He, he's my— How does he look so—he's so, so, a good golfer? Hey, he's my golf hero for sure. I mean, he wears, he wears rings. That's not a wedding. I can never do that. <laughs> I can never pull that off and look normal. Like This look ring, actually, cool story behind it, this ring with the skull and the, uh, and the little diamond in it. Um, so when I signed my um, booking agent deal here in Nashville, which are the folks that get you on tours and, and go out and go to bat for you and try to get you on shows, we sat down, and the first thing they said are, are who are your biggest influences? I told them George Strait, Gary Allen, and Jason Aldean. And uh, two weeks later, I get a call, and they're like, hey, we're putting you out on tour with Gary Allen. So, like, to me, that's unreal. I'm, I'm losing my mind. First night, we go play with Gary. I don't meet him. Happens a lot. You know, the headliners are, they've got radio, they're on buses, they've got sound check, they've got a million things. No sweat. 
Second night, uh, I open the show, and Gary's steel guitar player grabs me by the arm, and he's like, hey, man, stick around. Gary wants to meet you tonight. So already I'm, like, heart pounding, like, let's go. Like, I'm meeting Gary Allen tonight. And uh, so I stand side stage. I watch his show, and uh, they're all walking off stage, and the steel guitar player is, like, waving, and he's like, come on, follow us. And so I go to the back, and uh, they bring me onto Gary's bus, and Gary's in the back lounge, and he's got, like, guitars hanging on the wall and nice bottles of wine and He's, you know, just like looking like a superstar back there. He's leaning back against the couch with his arms spread. And he's like, uh, he's like, hey, man, uh, great to meet you. Thanks for coming out and hanging out with us. And I'm, you know, so thankful. And um, I kind of lean in and shake his hand and say hi. And he sees my necklace and my necklace had a skull on it. And he goes, well, buddy, I actually uh, make jewelry and I think you should have this. And he takes this skull ring off of his hand and gives it to me. And now Coolest they're engaged. Ever. Now we're engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, man. Yeah. Awesome. Rooting for you. Thanks, Think you're awesome. Man. Congrats on your, your upcoming nuptials. And there he is. Yeah. George Burge. Eddie and I don't like to hear, but we'll clap for you. Let's go. Get your Bobby Bones on. Bobby Bones, y'all. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. 